Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas Greenaway continues our series, Relationship Goals, and talks about family. He talks about how God wants to use our families to help us grow, no matter what our family looks like. We look at Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, and what our lives look like when the foundation is God's Word. Dallas talks through different aspects of what loving our family could look like, from communication to forgiveness to looking towards our future families. We hope you enjoy this message. You guys can take a seat. Well, welcome back. We are now in week three. Can you believe that? It's week three of January, or uh, not of January, of February. Uh, we're almost done with this month. We've got one more week. It's also week three of this series, Relationship Goals. And if you remember, the, the first week we started talking about love, and we started talking about specifically where love comes from, and that if we want to be people who are growing in how we love and care for people in any relationship that we're a part of, whether it's uh, with our parents or our siblings or a best friend or maybe eventually like a significant other, potentially even a dating relationship, right, for for many of you in the room. If you want to be better at any of those kind of things, then we probably should figure out where does love come from? Where does it start? And so we went to 1 John and the, the author of that letter, of that book, John, told us that love is from God, like in its purest form, realest, uh, truest love comes from God. And he didn't just stop there, though. He, in fact, tells us that God is love. Maybe one of the most uh, famous passages in all of the Bible. Uh, maybe one that you would, like, get tattooed on yourself. Don't get tattoos. You're too young. But, but eventually, maybe you're like, uh, just a verse that would be like your life verse, that God is love. And so if we want to grow in our love for, for other people, if we want to grow in our love for God himself, then we probably should go to the one who, who is love, right? And uh, just to understand what, what true love is, to experience love from that God. And, and so, so if you're wondering, like, I mean, maybe that's all you need from this series, period, is like, if, if you're going to become a more loving person, then, then go to God, the one who actually is love. And so we kept the series going last week. We talked about friendships, and specifically, we talked about four marks or qualities of a friend. If you guys are here, you may remember that. And we said that a true friend, remember, we can't do life alone. We actually need friends in our life, and a true friend is somebody who shares four marks, things like honesty and that they are there for us, they're constant, they're aware of uh, things that we are sensitive to and, and how we're doing when it comes to life and real things that are happening, and there's somebody that we can go to for counsel, right? And so what we found is we, we want friends like that in our life who have those four marks or four qualities. And uh, we also need to ask ourselves regularly, am I being a friend like this or am I just a surface level friend? And when you dig deep and you start to grow and become a friend who is more like that, ultimately what's going to happen is God's going to more likely than not bring people around you who share those marks or qualities of a friend as well. And so if you're working on becoming a good friend, a better friend, you may find that you're attracting people who are real, good, solid, quality friends as well. And so maybe you've even started to do some of that this week. At the very least, some of that personal 
uh, individual growth in those areas of what it means to, to be a true friend. So this week, we're talking about something that maybe you didn't think we'd talk about when it comes to relationships when you first heard about this series. We are talking about our families and our relationships with our families and how maybe we can start uh, putting uh, some steps forward to grow in our relationship and our love for our families, right? And some of you are like, I don't even want to love my family. You don't, you don't know. And so, so I mean, let's kind of start there. Like, if, if you were to think about this weekend with your family, uh, how would you say that things went? Not like out loud, right? But, but think about, you know, the interactions that you had yesterday with your family, with your, whether it's your parents or, or your parent figure in the house or your, your siblings, uh, were you kind to them and how you spoke with them? Were you uh, loving and how you interacted and, you know, fought with them, right? Like, uh, when it came time for your parents to say, hey, probably a good idea to clean your room this weekend. Did you push back like, no, that's the worst thing you've ever asked of me, right? Or would you say, yes, yes, ma'am, yes, yes sir, right? Uh, think about your interactions with, with your, your family uh, for just a moment and, and ask, like, is there any chance that they could be a little better? Could they be a little kinder? Could you be a little more loving when it comes to your your family, right? And and we know, like we know that there's there's some hard things that go on in our families. None of our families are perfect, mine included. And so there, there's stuff, there's a lot of baggage, there's a lot of junk, there's a lot of of things that are under the surface that nobody really wants to talk about or address. And so sometimes that's the reason that we react the ways that we do to our family, right? And so we know it's like, it's a bigger issue than just, hey, be kind or, or be loving. Sometimes there's some other stuff underneath the surface as well, right? For, for some of us, it's just that like, hey, my family, if I could write it out on paper, these are not the people that I would pick to be in my family, Right? We know that the, the word family, while some of us are like, oh, yeah, that means your mom and your dad and maybe a sibling, but it, probably not. I'd rather not have that sibling. Like, if we could draw it out, it may look a little bit different. In reality, our, our families today in this room, there's people who, yeah, you've got both mom and dad at home and you've got some siblings. There's other of us who you're the only child, or maybe you have a single mom or a single dad in the house, or you are living with your grandparents or your aunt or uncle or you're adopted. Like the term family encompasses a lot of different things when it comes to what our families look like. And so we're not singling out any type of family. We're, we're covering this morning, what are, some, what are some ways we can grow no matter what our family situation is, no matter the baggage that comes with our family, no matter the people who are a part of it, we're talking about the whole the whole thing this morning, right? So in a minute, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, maybe some familiar verses, but ones you never really thought, like, wait, that applies to my, to my family? And as, as you're turning there, I kind of want you to think, so you've thought a little bit about your family, the people who make it up, the ways that you've interacted, at least like really recently with, with said people. Now, now think for a minute about like how our culture kind of defines or, or gives, uh, gives, a picture of what a family should look like, right? And, you know, there's, there's different Disney quotes that we could probably go to, right? If you, if you remember Lilo and Stitch, if you guys ever seen that movie, really, really cute little movie. Ohana means family, right? Like really sweet moment, probably a phrase that has stuck with, with some of you guys if you're a fan. Uh, if you remember the, the two Frozen movies, right? There's a little snowman in there who kind of finds his family, good old Olaf, and one of his kind of famous quotes is that he says, there's some people who are worth melting for, right? Like you find your people, you find your family, it's really sweet and, and happy. 
happy. And, and so some of what our culture gives us about family and being willing to, to sacrifice for each other and, and loving each other, obviously those are, are good things. But then there's maybe some, some things beneath the surface that you don't really realize. And without getting too much into it, here's like one example of where I, I don't think our culture is doing a great job of saying, hey, this is what a family should be. So I started watching a movie last night, and I just found out it was a book. It shows how much I know about this movie. But it just came out on Disney+. Plus. It's called, like, Nora and Ulysses or something. Is that, is that the name of this movie? And it's just, what is it, Flora? Flora. Sounds good to me. Flora and Nora, you know. Uh, so it's Flora and Ulysses, I guess is the name of the movie. And it's this little girl who ends up saving the squirrel without uh, wrecking the movie too much. It happens in the first five minutes. and Maybe you've read the book. She saves this squirrel who's been sucked up by a robot vacuum gone mad. Okay, it's how this movie basically starts. And, and then the rest of the movie, I, I've only watched 15 minutes of it, to be fair. So maybe the movie's a little bit different. But here's how basically any movie like this goes is that this girl and, the, and her squirrel, those rhyme, right? This is a fun little rhyme. Uh, they're going to go on, and they're going to save the day in this movie, right? We already know it. They're going to save the day. And, uh, and here's, here's why this, like, that's, that's fine. That's fun. But here's why they're going to end up probably saving the day in this movie. is because it's all in this girl and her squirrel because her parents don't have it figured out, maybe never will, and they can't really step in and do anything about whatever the situation is going to be, right? That's basically how every movie goes, is that the kid or you guys in middle school, maybe if it's about a high school kid or a group of friends, the, the kids become the heroes of the movie. Have you guys noticed that? And most of you are like, well, yeah, that's why I like the movie. But the kids have to become the heroes of the movies or the shows because the parents are always set up as, like, the opposite. Like, the dad's dumb, Right? and just sits around all day and watches sports or just, uh, just messes around and all he does is play video games all day or, or maybe he's just not there at all, right? And some of you can relate to these things maybe. Like he's, he travels for, for work and so he's just not present. Meanwhile, mom in these movies or shows is always just trying to, she's just hanging on, right? Hanging on that last thread. She's got maybe some serious emotional issues and, and she just does not have it all together. She's figuring out. So mom's trying to figure it out. She's trying to do her own thing over here. Dad's maybe businessy or just not competent. And so it's all left up to the kid. That by the way, in most of these movies, the parents are not at all connected to. It's all left to the kid to be the hero. And I just want to tell you, like, that's in movie after movie and show after show. And so eventually, when it starts to become all we watch, it's what we believe to be true. Oh, well, I guess that's how life is. Like, it's all going to fall on me. I can't trust my parents. I can only trust myself and maybe my group of friends. I'm just going to tell you, that is not God's intention for how our families are, are to be. And, and I know some of you are like, well, yeah, duh, that's not, that's not what it's supposed to be. But when you start to see it over and over again, oh, that's what a family looks like. And then you start to believe, oh, that's what a family looks like. Then what you start to act out is those things as well. So whether you know it or not, maybe, maybe you think over and over and over again, my parents, they, they don't get it and they'll never get it. And some of that's been taught to you by our culture. Right, your parents will never get it because they're trying to figure out all their own stuff. But that's, that's not 100% the reality. 
Like, yeah, maybe there's some truth to, well, dad being really in, into his job and like he's got to be gone. And, and maybe there's some truth to mom, mom is trying to hold on. Like, I'm not saying that the reality is, is perfection as opposed to what they're showing you in, in media. But what I do want to say is that's not how God intended it. That's not how it's supposed to be. And I think that the Bible, the scriptures, God offers us a better way forward. So let's, let's kind of talk about what that looks like a little bit. Again, these are some verses that you're going to be familiar with, but you may never have thought about it when it comes to your family, all right? So hopefully you'll think a little bit different about these verses and in, in some sense, like our, our entire lives a little bit. So here we go. Matthew chapter 7. It's going to be on the screen for you. Verse 24. This is after Jesus has, has just finished up the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter 5, and it's just this time where Jesus was on a mountainside, and he was teaching to a group of people, right? He talks about all kinds of things. He talks about divorce. He talks about uh, this is like where the, all the blesseds are. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? Uh, he talks about just how to interact with each other in general. He talks about a lot of different things. Like if you ever wanted to know, what are Jesus' thoughts on that? It may be covered in the Sermon on the Mount. And so go there and uh, read starting in Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And then he comes to the end of this sermon or this, this talk, right? And here's what he says in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it, right? So pretty simple. It's a contrast between two different people, one who is called wise and one who is called foolish, right? And what it boils down to is Jesus is saying, the person who's wise is a person who actually listens to what I'm saying. And you could apply that like directly right there at the Sermon on the Mount. Like, hey, all these things that we've just talked about, right? The person who is wise is the person who does those things, and if they do those things, they're like somebody who's built their house on a firm, strong, not going to be easily moved foundation on the rock. A person who is foolish or unwise is the person who sits there. You've been here hearing the same words that all of the other people around you have heard, and yet you choose not to do anything with them. They go in one ear and out the other. You don't listen. You don't walk in these ways that I'm inviting you into. And you are like the person who chooses to build their house on sand, which doesn't go as well as a person who builds their house on the rock, right? In fact, we've got a little picture showing you both of the houses here. On the left, you're going to see the uh, just blackness, right? Darkness. Uh, no, you're going to see on the left the solid rock, that firm foundation. For some reason, that house reminds me of like uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man almost. Not quite, not quite, but... A uh, little similar with the glass and maybe a little more modern-y. Uh, so, but firm foundation, solid rock, that house looks awesome. It's not going anywhere. Even if winds come, even if storms come, right? It's like, it looks pretty solid to me. On the other side, though, on the right side, this would be the house built by the foolish person, where you're looking at it now and you're like, where, how in the world did they think that was a good idea? There's nothing over there. Well, that's because the sand is not as firm as the rock. And when the storms came, when the wind and the rain came in, it 
is way, way easier to take away the sand than it is the rock. And eventually, once the foundation gives out, then as the foundation goes, so does the house, right? So how, how in the world does this apply to family? Because here's, here's what we do uh, with, with these words right now. And by the way, Jesus is, is saying like, hey, these words that I have spoken, but I think we can cover, the, we can like say pretty, pretty soundly, this applies to, to anything that Jesus said. And in fact, I, I think that this applies to the scriptures on, on the whole. Like if anybody comes and reads the scriptures or if anybody listens to a message that, that is from the scriptures on a Sunday morning in middle school or downstairs in the adult service or wherever it is and, and hears these words but does nothing with them, then you're like the person who built your house on sand. But if you actually take them and run with them and go apply them, you are like the person who built their house on rock. So, but, but, but here, here's what we do, right? We live in America, and we are an individualistic society, right? It, when you think about our lives, we, we pretty regularly think about, hey, how can I move forward in the best way for me? How can I get into the right school, whether it's college or high school, or even some of you guys had to like apply or get into a lottery system to get into middle school, right? And it's very much like, okay, focus on you. Make sure that you set up things well for yourself, that you get the right job eventually, that you marry the right person eventually, that you have you have the right friends around you. It's, it's a lot about us. It's focused on us. And so when we read these words from Matthew chapter 7, and when we think about these two pictures of the house, here's what, what we say. Oh, the house is my life. And so if I do the right things, if I, if I follow the things that Jesus is inviting me to follow, then things will go well for me. And I don't think that that's a totally wrong way to look at these verses. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think there's other places that, that back that up in, in the scriptures, in both the Old and the New Testament. But the original listeners during Jesus's time, they would not have heard, hey, this is about me, myself, and I. See, whenever the word house or home is brought up in the Bible, these ancient people would have thought about their family. So when, when Jesus would have been saying, hey, the one who builds his house on solid rock versus the one who builds his house on the sand, they would have heard, no, this is about, this is communal. This is familial. This is about family. They would have understood that whenever somebody does something, it doesn't just affect them, but it affects their family. It affects their community. And somewhere down the line, there's, there's a trickle-down effect where it, it, it affects those maybe that they never even meet. You may not realize this, but the reality is that you, right, right there where you sit, you are a product of generations that go back long before you or I were born. For some of you, it's, it's a little bit easier, actually. If you, were, if you have been adopted into a new family... Maybe you're kind of starting to come to grips with this now, but you haven't, you know this, you haven't just been shaped by the family that you've been adopted by, but you came from another family that may have not had such a firm foundation. There may have been a lot of messy things in that family, and somehow, some way, you now carry some of the things that were in your old family. 
The rest of us, though, this is true of as well. You don't realize it, but how your parents are raising you, how they are disciplining you, how they are providing for you was in some way, shape, or form shaped by their parents, your grandparents. So for some of you, the way your parents discipline you, it's because their parents discipline that way too. For others, the way they discipline you is because they did not want to discipline how their parents did that. You understand that? For some of you, the way you have things kind of safely and securely set up for you and your parents are providing, it's because their family set up a firm foundation for them. Others, if you have a shaky foundation, it may be because in past generations, there's been shaky foundation set up for those who come before you. There's more and more research that's being done that says that the the way you are currently living, the way you even think, the way you eat is shaped and formed by at least three or four generations prior to you. Think about that. Great, great grandparents that you never even had a chance to meet have somehow shaped your current reality. Isn't that interesting? So when Jesus says this, here's what he's getting at, is that not only, not only does this affect you, yes, it, it does affect you, but this is, you're building a firm foundation for your family, both your current family and future generations to come that you may have never met. And you may be saying, but like, I'm, sir, I'm 11, <laughs> Right? Or uh, I'm an eighth grader. I'm just trying to hold it down here, man. I got to make it to high school, right? I know. But this is, this is a time where maybe, maybe just zoom out, like kind of have this, not out-of-body experience, but kind of look at your life. And here's what I want you to understand is that what you and I do today has a very real effect. You should already know this by now on what happens tomorrow. But the reality is that it's bigger than just what happens tomorrow, but it actually affects three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, that little things today lead to big things in the future and not just for you. But what you do today has a very real impact on the people around you today and tomorrow and in the future, and eventually when you start a family, all the things that you are going through right now in middle school will in some way, shape, or form impact the family that you get to lead at some point, the kids that you get to have, the grandkids that you get to have. I know this is thinking way big, huge, big picture vision for you guys, but I want you to realize that you may think the things you do right now are insignificant. I tell you that they're not. Jesus tells us that they're not. You're setting a firm foundation one brick at a time, one hammer at a time, one nail at a time. Well, maybe you don't do that in rocks. I don't know. Kevin can explain how things are built later, but I'm not at all a handyman. But little bit by little bit, you are putting pieces in place for this firm foundation, not just for yourself, but for everyone around you, even for your family right now. You might say, I'm in middle school. Like My parents have so much going on. How in the world could I possibly impact my family now and help set a firmer foundation for them now? Well, here's like five things real quick that I I think would have more of an impact than you may realize. Let's go through these five areas right now. This first one is communication. What would happen if not in just the way you speak, but in the way you react, your body language, all the ways that you communicate with your family? Let's just think about your immediate family right now. What would happen if you started doing those in a way that looked more like the ways of Jesus? What if you realize that your words can tear down or they can build up? 
What if you realize that your words have the, the ability to start a fire, right? The book of James tells us. Or your words have the ability to be like coolant or, or water on that fire to diffuse a situation. What if you realize that, that the way you react when your parents ask you to clean your room, right, could set their day off on a terrible note or maybe make them rethink all of life because, what, you're actually cleaning your room and you said, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, right? Like, imagine what would happen if your communication started to look more like Jesus. What about this next one, forgiveness? Just in your family, forgiveness. Some of you, the reason that life and, and family is at the place it's at is because there is a great need for forgiveness amongst you and your siblings, amongst you and whoever the parental figures are. There's some things that you've been holding a grudge on or that somebody else in your family has been holding a grudge on. What if we started to be a people who lived out the forgiveness, not that Jesus just talked about, but that he offered to each of us and still offers to each of us every single day. What if we were living that out in our families? This next kind of area is just a big, broad mom and dad, right? Your parents, whoever the parental figures are in your house, do your interactions with them, do the ways you think about them, do everything about your relationship. Does it look like how Jesus might call that relationship to look? And just from your perspective, you can only control what you can control, right? But what if you really started to obey your parents? What if instead of always putting up a fight when they just ask you, how's your day? No! Right? Like, some, some of you, that's literally your answers, though. You don't realize it, but it's true. I just, oh, just want to know how the cereal tasted, right? Like, they're just trying to ask you a question. Imagine what would happen if instead of responding negatively to everything your parents said, or even some of the things your parents said, it was seasoned with a little more salt, right? It was seasoned with a little more grace and, and kindness. Like, like you actually responded well to your parents. Can you imagine how they would react? What, is, what has become of my child, right? Like, what, what is possessing them right now? Your parents would have so many questions. Why are you doing this? What are you trying to get out of me, Right? And the same could be said for this next category, that's, that's your siblings. I think I went in the right order. Your siblings. Imagine, and some of you guys don't, don't have siblings, so maybe this one doesn't quite apply to you, but imagine if instead of always fighting and always trying to get your way with your siblings and, and always wanting them out of your room, imagine if you started to respond in a little more Christ-like way. Again, they would be like, uh, what alien abducted you and replaced you, right? Like, what has happened? There would be some questions. There would be some stirring up of things in your family, and I think that that's what God wants to do with us. None of our families are perfect. None of our families have it all together. So imagine what would happen if in the middle of that brokenness, little bits of Jesus started to come into that family. And little bit by little bit, it's not going to change everything automatically, but little bit by little bit, God starts to use you in your family. I really do think that things could change. And then this last one, this is what it sets up for, is your future. Your future. That far beyond your eyes and my eyes can see right now, that in some way, shape, or form, you guys are working on building some kind of foundation for your future family. 
for future you, for future little yous in the form of your kids, right? For their kids, for their kids, that somewhere down the line that what you are doing right now in building a foundation on sand or rock is setting up for the future. And here's why that's really good news for some of you in the room. Some of you in the room have a messed up family. Like, I'm not just talking about, you know, you said something mean to your mom one time. I mean, like, your, your family from, maybe from the get-go has been messy. Dad's gone, mom's gone, maybe they're both gone. Maybe they are there, but they're just never present, and you can't remember the last time you had a good conversation with them. You're living in a situation that's not great. Like, there are so many different directions we can go with this, but all we need to say is your family is a mess. And here's what's happened, sadly, in our generations, is that there are more and more people who are living in that messy situation, and they say, if that's what a family is like, then I don't want one. If that's what a marriage is like, then I don't want one. And they turn and they run the other direction. I just want to let you know that that, is, that might be what your family looks like right now, but that is not the kind of family that you have to be a part of in the future. You can start something different. You can break the chains you can, you can break away from the past and you can start something fresh so that you might be the one who future generations look back to and they say, hey, you never, you never met great-grandpappy, right? But he's the one. He had it so rough or she had it so rough, but she decided there's a better way, that God had invited her or him into something bigger and greater. And they started the new pattern. They started the new way, and God has used them in mighty ways for generations to come. That could be you. It doesn't have to be the same thing on repeat. If you step into the ways that Jesus is inviting us into and build that firm foundation on the solid rock that is him. And Jesus didn't just like talk about or say like, hey, this will be a nice way to interact with your family, but he lived it out to a T, right? How do we know? Because at the end of his life, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what your parent relationship looks like, but at the end of his life, his, his mom was right there, right, at the crucifixion, watching her son die, and she, she believed, she knew that he was the son of God. And after the resurrection, she's still following. How do we know that Jesus lived well amongst his family? Because his brother, one of his brothers, James, ends up being a leader in the early church, wrote one of the books or, or letters in the Bible, Imagine your siblings being so behind you like that. Jesus doesn't just talk about it, but he very much walked it out, lived it out. He is our model for what it is to live amongst our family. So, I don't know about you, but I don't want my house to end up like that one that's fallen down, dilapidated, that the sand has collapsed, and now the foundation, and now the house follows. I want to build my house on solid rock. Let's do it little bit by little bit. Let me pray. God, we know that this is, is not easy. This is going to be a step-by-step, day-by-day. We're going to fail. We're going to say things we wish we could take back. We're going to have to ask for forgiveness. It's going to be rocky. It's going to be bumpy. But we are trusting that as we make moves towards following you, that when the storms, the wind, the rain comes and tries to knock our house down or take a bit of it down, that you are going to help us Hold firm. You're going to be the one holding us. You're going to be the one that we have built our life on. So help us know each day 
What are some little ways that we can put some rocks in place, work on that firm foundation, knowing that it doesn't just affect us, that it affects many more people down the line, people we've never even met yet. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.